Is it me or are you uh, kind of rocking a new look this week, Frank? I can't say I've ever seen you in uh, a ball cap and a team shirt like that before. Uh, I don't know what the issue is here. I, I think, you know, this is my casual look on uh, my casual Mondays uh, when we're recording this. Uh, what's what's the concern? <laughs> well, it's a victory Monday for Wolverine Nation. They, they had a pretty big win, I think, and apparently they uh, they wanted to let you know about it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Jared Wagenhofer uh, was uh, the uh, brains behind this. Uh, behind me will eventually be some uh, swag like this and um, this hat. And JB, you have one as well and some other swag as well. I've got to get to you. But uh, I moved into a new place and set up a new home office here, a studio, and uh, we're, we're working to dress it up. In fact, all three teams that uh, sent me stuff. Uh, my clearance is actually out in the car. I gotta uh, go grab that. But also, um, how about this? Yes. Hey, thanks, Nick. <laughs> Coach Mike. <laughs> so, and uh, JB, there's one feature. You don't have one of these, uh, but I'm going to, uh, you know, try to do my best to reveal this right now. But, um, ah, number seven. You must be a quarterback then, Frank. You're Absolutely. Definitely the quarterback of it in the huddle. <laughs> so if that's the case, then I think we should throw it to our intro and let's go for week two. Okay, JB, we're going to start every show a little bit differently, uh, the host chat show that is, because we do realize we have audio now and folks would like to identify which show is which uh, just from listening to the front of it, uh, if they can. So that's why we do that. I mean, I'm also going to make sure I'm at your level at this point, which uh, I, I, I've tried for years to be at your level, but it just My doesn't level. work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> But uh, JB, uh, we're going to have a few different uh, episodes this week. This is host chat for those that uh, kind of are not fully familiar yet, uh, where we're going to talk about all the scores, touch them all, give you video highlights, etc. Um, we're also, uh, later on in the week, uh, probably the next day uh, after this drops, we'll have Dustin Johnson, William Patterson head coach. And uh, you probably know by now, 28-23, to 23, his team beat FDU Florham in a big comfort behind victory in the fourth quarter. And uh, I believe we have Matt Dunn, is it, from Norwich, quarterback, uh, coming on as well to talk Eating about. The, the air squad of the cadets up in up in Vermont and the, the little Army-Navy game is this weekend, Frank. Last season we had on, uh, was it Ryan Jones from the Coast Guard when they won the mug. And now the mug is up for grabs again. And, and so we're going to salute the troops like we like to do and uh, talk to, to Matt Dunn, who's really turning some heads in the new Mac there and, and is trying to bring the mug home in the 200th or bicentennial uh, anniversary weekend of the of Norwich Academy. Drink from the mug, Matthew Dunn. I, that could actually work. I, I, I think we better work, work on that. We'll see what happens. And uh, Or it could be Ryan Jones again doing that. JB, we've got lots of scores here to talk about. I think it was yes. 38 again uh, this week, in fact. So... We're going to roll with this. All right. Uh, let's go through crunch time for week two, which was 
September 13th and 14th. There was a Friday the 13th involved for some teams indeed this weekend, 2019. Mm -hmm. We're going to start in the Yenjack, and here we go, uh, four overtimes. You can't say uh, much more than that. So we're going to start video uh, from the end of the third overtime. Wesley needed a two-point conversion to stay in the game. This was a 3-3 game at the end of regulation, and the score uh, popped up from there in these four overtimes. This was a close call, as you can tell. And then uh, a, a interception to end the game after a 24-yard pass from um, Morocco to Ruan Peel, uh, made it a six-point lead for Wesley. 24-18, Wesley wins it in quadruple overtime fashion. Unreal. Um, again, 3-3 at the end of regulation, 0-0 at halftime. The defenses ruled there until finally the overtimes. Yeah, ultimately it ended up being the Wolverines, uh, three interceptions of uh, DelVal quarterback um, uh, Fontana. So, uh, you know, got to give credit to the Wolverines for hanging in there. I mean, I guess if you glass half full perspective is that neither offense looked great, but the defenses are certainly uh, really, you know, controlled the line of scrimmage and ultimately decided the game. We talked about William Patterson. They break a 27-game losing streak to beat FDU Florham 28-23. UW Oshkosh was down, I believe, 24-0 in their game against Salisbury. Tried to claw their way back, but still fell short in one of the uh, cross-regional games that we had, West versus East. 24-19, Salisbury wins that one. Uh, Montclair State 28, Salve Regina 11. Redhawks had led 21 to 5 at the half. Now gained the Seahawks 414 to 217. Jaquil Birch back with 292 and three touchdowns in that game. Game I attended. Linfield Rowan, and uh, you'll see some video uh, right now from that one as well here as Linfield beats Rowan 35 to 14 in that cross country trip. Um, 365 to 334 was total yards. It was 14 to 14. Uh, Rowan basically tied the game in the second half and then 21 unanswered points by Linfield to close it out. In Hampton, Sydney, closed out the night 27 24 over Christopher Newport in oh, overtime. Who knew? We had more overtimes uh, in this uh, country, yeah. in this region for that matter. Let's go to the MAC. Lycoming comes back. They were really left for dead in the fourth quarter and a huge comeback. 43-42, 20 unanswered points in the fourth quarter and freshman running back Joey Gaida, 122 yards, two touchdowns. He scored the uh, second touchdown with 26 seconds remaining. 43-42, heartbreak city for Widener who probably thought they were going to start 2-0 at the beginning of that game. Yeah. Uh, tough, tough break for the Pride. I'm sure they'll they'll rebound though. Uh, tough group out there in Chester. Wilts was a nice win, 30 to 24. Uh, they moved to 2-0 and 1-0 uh, in the MAC. Now remember, yeah. we went to league play Shout for out to uh, Coach Strzok. Uh, Jose Tabora with uh, 23 for 32 for 275 yards, two touchdowns. Defense had two turnovers. Best start since 2009. Bridgewater, Virginia, shocked Stevenson a little bit. This was a surprise to many, 37-22. Bridgewater moves to 2-0, held Stevenson only 57 rushing yards, and Mary Harden-Baylor, 56-15 over Albright. But it was 
a uh, what was it a uh, 15, 17 to nine game? Uh, yeah, it was seventeen to nine yeah, at halftime. Yeah. Mary Harden Baylor. Finally, Luke Porman comes out, sparks the offense, and uh, Ryan Redding didn't do a miserable job or anything like that in the first half. It's not like that. They just needed a spark, really, for a team, and they put Porman out there, and he was able to spur them on to the win. Tevin Jones back in action, 15 tackles on the game, most of them in the first half, 13 of them, in fact, in in the first half. Kept that game uh, from going the wrong way early, basically alone, by those 15 or 13 tackles in the first half. Liberty Elite, Hobart, with a 75-yard touchdown and a reverse play. Shakyle Matthews uh, with that uh, reverse. Uh, the wide receiver, uh, uh, speedster indeed, 38-24 over SUNY Morrisville was Hobart. Uh, Hobart trailed at the half, 21-17. A little bit of a hangover, you think, going on there after the big win against Sprockport? Yeah, and I think the uh, the defense was a little unsettled early on. Uh, Morrisville has a very large offensive line. Most of their guys are over 300 pounds, and so there was a little bit of a size mis- mismatch there. And um, new quarterback, new running backs, new uh, new receivers. Um, so I think it took Cobart a little while. They made the second half adjustments, got back in the game, but that that reverse really was the catalyst that's kind of put them over the top. Union 54, Anna Maria 7. Uh, they outgained the AMCATs 498 to 107, three sacks, 13 tackles for loss by Union, two forced fumbles, two interceptions, and a partridge and a pear tree. Let's go to the Empire 8. And Brockport, well, uh, their office didn't score again, but they won. They won as Raylan's Booten. I love yeah. the name, and uh, they love him there because they needed every bit of him in the 14 0 win over Framingham State. Uh, it was two pick sixes for him, 11 yards and 58 yards, and it makes it 14-0 final for Brockport. Getting concerned about Brockport a little bit? Uh, averaging three and a half points per game on offense, it would be uh, certainly something to get concerned about, especially when you factor in you know, how uh, Alfred and, and Cortland, for instance, uh, were able to, uh, you know, they're putting up points, they're, they're playing some pretty tough competition and winning. Utica will go to first, though, to talk about uh, their uh, minor struggle on Saturday uh, with three INTs uh, that they had overcome, but they win against Buffalo State 26-15. to We said they would play a lot closer games as the season wore on, and there is one example of it, but they're 2-0 uh, Utica now. Yep. St. John Fisher bounces back for their loss against Buffalo State the prior week, 35-28 over Bridgewater State. A very headstrong Bridgewater State team, though, in that uh, game and it took four interceptions by Fisher's defense to make it happen. Cortland State plays a somewhat tighter game than I thought it would be against TCNJ, 31 to seven. Remember that's a team I saw against Muhlenberg prior week, and Brett Sagala mm-hmm. uh, with 306 passing yards, four touchdowns, and the defense had four sacks uh, and, and also seven tackles for loss uh, in that game. Alfred had to rally late. George Fox looked like they were going to surprise Alfred in this game. Again, a cross-country trip. George Fox may have been a little leg-weary when they got there, but they were playing like they weren't, and Alfred had to come from behind. They were down 14-9, I believe it was, at one point, and had to rally for the touchdown to make it 15-14. They had sacks, uh, what, on fourth down with uh, ASAC uh, with 44 seconds remaining. Um, and they outgained George Fox only 283 to 192. So Alfred's offense definitely struggled a little bit in that game to get traction, as did George Fox's. And Hartwick 30, Alfred State 20. The Hawks were down 
uh, 20 to 6 and had to pull this one out as Alfred State looked to really play a spoiler there against an umpire 18. That would have been a big win for Alfred State, but a good try nonetheless. What do you think? Of, uh, pick out one of those games. We had a bunch there uh, to talk about. Well, the game that I followed the most closely was probably the George Fox-Alfred one, just based on the inter-regional element of it. It's very rare that you'd see a game like this in Division Three, And it, it, honestly, it was very, uh, very even matchup, I think, on both sides of the ball. So entertaining game. Um, definitely you know, defense played a big part in it. I think both times, the uh, both areas of the game, um, the offense has struggled uh, to move the ball, but ultimately, uh, Saxon's made enough plays, got enough points, and the defense was able to hang on for the win at the very end. Let's go to the ECFC. Or not. Let's go to the CCC because there were no winners in the ECFC this week. And that means we have no slide for them uh, when we have the uh, inter-league uh, play uh, the way we have right now. So uh, we're going to go straight to the CCC now. Western New England beats Westfield State 56-35. The Golden Bears had 701 yards total offense. Uh, Steven Fedorchak uh, set records for the team, 319 receiving yards and five touchdowns. Probably a little bit more about him later. Uh, Becker, 12. Worcester State, 10. Becker, suddenly 2-0. Where did this come from? Uh, yeah, and that. Uh, they outgained Worcester State in uh, rushing 276 to 19. Boy, that, uh, Worcester State just not having a good go of it after a 51-0 loss to WPI the previous week. Endicott, 28, Rochester, 3. I think we have a combination of a very good Endicott team and a Rochester team still trying to get their grip, uh, you know, their footing underneath them. Uh, we'll see if uh, Coach Martinovich can uh, right the ship there as the season goes on. Franklin Pierce, a Division II team that was absolutely drubbed by Wesley, 69-0 uh, the previous week, beats Curry. 29-27, and that's got to be a wow. little bit of an eyebrow raiser when you start thinking about, well, the balance of power in the East and New England's catching up and all this other stuff. Well, this game would tell you maybe not. Uh, maybe this is just a fluke result. We don't know, but it's definitely something to watch. And University of New England, 35, Alvernia, 28, the two newest programs faced off against each other again until Keystone comes around next year, and it was... The Nor'easters, Cam Mann, love that name, with the game-winning touchdown with a bit of, with a buck 32 remaining in the game to make it a 35-28 UNE victory. New Mac time. JB, you watch this one closely. Coast Guard 24, Nichols 23 in overtime. The Bison had a rally to force that overtime. Patrick Crowley's PAT won it, though, for Coast Guard. Their best start since 2005. They started the game early to avoid mosquito-borne illness issues and ended up having to play later anyway in this game. What would you think of the game? You know, I thought that um, the I have to give the Bison credit because uh, the uh, the Coast Guard kind of started off you know, punching them in the mouth and really taking it to them and, and were up for a while. I think it's at one point they were up 17-7. to seven. It looked like they are about to run, run away with the game. Um, but credit the, the Bison, they keep fighting back. Um, you know, they forced the overtime period uh, with the defense really did a solid job holding the Coast Guard to, to basically, you know, no points in the in the second half. But it ultimately boiled down to was that missed extra point in the overtime period. And uh, Patrick Crowley was able to connect on his and uh, the Coast Guard escapes uh, Massachusetts with a with a 2-0 record and their best start since 2005. 
my upset special. WPI beats RPI for the transit trophy, 6-3. to three. No touchdowns in that game. They were all field goals. It was the first transit trophy win for WPI since 2016 as Bryce Wade kicked the game-winning field goal with 3.52 remaining in that game. Norwich gets their first ever Hoffman Cup win against St. Lawrence, 30-24. to Matt Dunn, who will be a guest later in the week with us, 34 for 49 as the Norwich quarterback 399 yards, two touchdowns. What, he couldn't get the extra yard to go to 400? Well, well I'll give it to him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pencil it in right here uh, just for him. I do want to do a quick interjection here, though, Frank, because some people may not know about the Hoffman Cup, and that used to be a series between um, Norwich and um, St. Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence and, Merch and Marine. United States and Merchant Marine, yeah, based on a, a father-son duo that uh, each had ties to each university. So when the Merchant Marine left the Liberty League, uh, St. Lawrence wanted to keep that rivalry, get the game going. Uh, Norwich took up the charge, and I think this is, it's been going on now for since about 2012 or 2013. So credit the cadets. It's taken them a few years to finally get the Hoffman Cup, but I'm sure they're enjoying it. Springfield, let's look at some more video here. Springfield had to win late against Kane, 21 to 14. Uh, they moved to 1-1, one one, came to 0-2 as Ryan DeGear with 100 rushing yards wins it with a 6-yard touchdown run with 22 seconds remaining. In Georgetown, 69 Catholic 0 in the Battle of Washington, D.C. Catholic Schools. But remember, Georgetown is an FCS team, folks. Let's, let's not think too much about this result overall. Yeah. NASCAC time. Mass Maritime surprises to a lot of people. SUNY Maritime, 31 to 14. The Chata Bowl goes to the Bucks as yeah. Matt Long at 255 yards of total offense, including three rushing touchdowns and three turnovers by Mass Maritime. Uh, their defense, that he is, uh, getting those three turnovers uh, made the difference More there. Overtime. JB, you may owe the Corsairs a small apology coming up here as UMass Dartmouth beats Husson 48 41 in overtime. It was uh, Stephen Gasiak. Is that the uh, correct? We, we've got a new uh, pronunciation. Gasiak, I think it's right. Yeah. yeah, 512 yeah, passing yards, so. five touchdowns. He gets that kind of yardage. we got to get his name right, I think, ultimately. Um, and yeah. he found Abby, Abby Bang, Bam, Bangbos. I, oh boy, we got some names this week. <laughs> 23 yards, yeah, uh, winning in overtime. And uh, Javier Delgado, 14 tackles, 3.5 for loss in that game. Plymouth State 48, Maine Maritime 6 as the Panthers outgain the Mariners, 428 to 233. Westcon 41, Dean 16 as the Colonials gain 502 total yards in that game. And Fitchburg State 12, Castleton State 10 as Fitchburg State goes 1-1 on the season. It was Connor Fitzsimmons, 222 passing yards to Wide receiver Jesse Brown with the game-winning four-yard touchdown with five seconds remaining. Would you like to say anything to the course here now? Uh, 2-0 and is very impressive. And I think what else is impressive, Frank, is you're picking Plymouth State as the sleeper in the MASCAC. Because now when you look at Framingham and Bridgewater State, the two favorites are all of a sudden 0-4 combined. Uh, teams like Plymouth State and Westcon are, are starting to look like maybe they are the, 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 the top of the, the MASCAC. We'll see. That uh, that game Western Connecticut played against William Patterson suddenly looks better now that William Patterson beat FDU Florham this week as well. When you think about it, sure it. does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The you talked Billy about the, real. You, you talked about the flip of schedule situation going on uh, in the NASCAC, and it did bite some teams. I it looks like Trinity couple loses to Tufts fourteen to eight. Yeah. Can't believe that one. 
Uh, John DeLuca, uh, tackle for loss on second and goal from the nine. And Javon uh, Ninodovic, uh, nine tackles, three sacks, and five tackles for loss. Great defensive effort there, and they needed it because obviously they held Trinity to just eight points in the game. And now, for the second straight year, Trinity's playing with their backs against the wall, but much earlier in the season, as uh, this was game one, I think it was game, like game three or four last year, they, they had lost and had to rally with some help uh, to win the NESCAC. Now they're going to have to really win every game. They're just about to do this. Uh, Middlebury 17, Williams 13, as Will Jernigan had the game winning five yard touchdown run with 30 seconds left. Hamilton 37, Bowden 24, uh, as Hamilton scored 16 unanswered in the fourth quarter. Amherst 27, Bates 13, as the Bobcats led 13 to 6 at halftime. Uh, Amherst quarterback Ali Eberth 15 for 31, 236, and three touchdowns. And Wesleyan 30, Colby 10. 818 total yards of offense between them. Four turnovers, though, by the Mules did them in. Uh, last thoughts on that uh, conference? Well, the one thing that I think might have, have turned the Trinity Tufts game is the fact that Seamus Lambert, the uh, quarterback from the Bantams, who was the uh, NESCAC Rookie of the Year last season, had to leave the game. Um, I saw the very end of this game on video, and the backup quarterback was in got the team to, to, you know, from the nine-yard line, and it was finally a kind of a rushed play where the with a tackle for loss slash sack to end it. Um, but Lambert's status, a little bit up in the air, that could definitely have an impact on the Bantam season. We'll see. And that is crunch time for week two of 2019. So, JB, we're going to put your uh, stats actually on this side of crunch time at this point, so we're not uh, rushing through them. And uh, your stat champs for uh, the uh, players of the week for week two uh, include, uh, we, we highlighted them during crunch time, Western New England wide receiver Stephen Fedorchak, who had nine catches for 319 yards and five touchdowns, part of the 701 offensive yards that we saw from Western New England on Saturday. Tufts. Uh, Jovan Ninodovich, uh, you put it there, so I had to say it again uh, on defense. Nine yep. tackles, three sacks. Yeah, five tackles for loss. He was the NESCAC Defensive Player of the Week. And special teams, uh, WPI's Bryce Wade. Yeah, a good pick there as he had all the points for WPI, including the game winning field goal against RPI in the Transit Trophy game. Most surprising uh, result for you was Trinity losing the NESCAC opener, first opening day loss since 1995 for Trinity. And the most disappointing, no East Region teams in the top 10 after week two. Um, it happens. Uh, but though Wesley did make some nice uh, jumps, let's say. Uh, so they could be heading toward that if they continue to win, but obviously they've got to do better than three to three in regulation against uh, teams that they should beat. Del Val was a good team. They, that was a very even game we knew going in, so they they had to pull it out, and they did. Uh, I like Jim Catanzaro's uh, assessment, by the way, on ATN about uh, you know that winning that game is a change for Wesley because they're used to losing those close games over the last year or so. So that's, that's uh, true. one that is important and the most random week one stat or thing is Brockport's 14 points coming from a defensive player Raylan's Booten as the offense was otherwise shut out so JB um a lot to slice through here um let's go back to Wesley for a second and 
we're going to uh, actually uh, grab an interview uh, that uh, Sean Green, our friend do- down at WDEL, uh, grabbed and uh, put up on Twitter. And uh, hopefully yeah. uh, we, we have rights to play that. He won't mind us doing that. But I'm pretty sure what, we'll be okay. What do you think – give me the, your assessment of that game and what it means to the region as a whole right now. Well, I think um... – well, it could mean a number of different things. Uh, it does feel like the balance of power has you know, shifted back you know, further south. Um, not that it wasn't necessarily that way, but you know, these last couple seasons, we've had you know, teams from upstate New York like Brockport uh, end up in, in sort of that one um, seed position. So it, it does feel like uh, you know, maybe if there is going to be a eastern pod that we saw these last couple of years, that it's probably going to end up being centered around uh, an undefeated NJAC champion, perhaps, um, and we'll see how that you know, affects things. But ultimately, in the in the MAC race, I mean, Delval can still run the table and get in as a nine and one team. Um, and then, you know, even if Wesley loses, um, I mean, they they would have a shot at the at large. I mean, one of the if I if I had the chance to ask Jim Catsonero a question would be. You know, does the fact that there's only five um, at-large you know, bids now, and the, the East Region has eight automatic qualifiers, does that mean you know is there going to re- really re- realistically is there really going to be one team from this region that's going to get a pool C bid? I mean, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. You know, it becomes geographically tough too if it goes beyond that. We'll see uh, what they do with it. Uh, the uh, name uh, we want to make sure we get it right uh, as uh, we had Gord Mann send us a pronunciation 101 on this, uh, but it was uh, Corey Williams, uh, not Corey, but Corey, Corey. Williams. Corey, uh, who, yes. Who had the interception that ended the game. Sean Green spoke with him after the game outside the stadium. Every day, he brings that energy every day. And, you know, it, he just made our job either. And also, I got to get the credit to our receiving core in practice. I mean, we're not going to see a better receiving core than us. So if we can stop them in practice, it makes our job easier on Saturday. That ball's coming floating to you in the fourth overtime. Take me through the play. Uh, well, before before that drop, I was a little down on myself. Uh, I gave up the two-point conversion earlier. And, you know, my teammates were just rallying around me saying, you know, it's going to come. Like, your play is coming. It's coming. Once I saw that ball in the air, like Coach may always say, it's 80-20 us. And I had to go up and get it. And then you catch it. I mean, describe the other jubilation there. Uh, as, soon, as soon as I came down with it, you know, it was just game's over, game's still. Let's get ready for next week. Let's go to work. Corey Williams with that big fourth overtime defensive stand interception to win the game against Delaware Valley in Delaware Valley. Quick little, uh, so, go ahead. Quick little story, Frank. When I spoke to Coach Knapp over the summer, he basically was saying that the Correa is probably one of the best defensive players that he's had uh, in in his time. Really feels that he you know legitimately has a shot at the Defensive Player of the Year award in the in the net and Jack, and probably will be looked at it for some All American uh, type considerations. If you're winning football games for your team in, in quadruple overtime, uh, certainly big big time play big time players making big time plays. He definitely uh, you know get got it done and, and congrats. There you see, there it is. <laughs> yep. 
this is as much of a uh, homer as I get to be these days, I guess. Uh, but when they win the big game yeah. I, and they give us the swag, I, I have to produce. So the people on the to audio it. podcast are be like, "What is all that rustling sound? What's Frank doing?" <laughs> Good point. I forgot about that. <laughs> we start the show differently for them, and then we forget the rest of the show that they can't see yeah. anything. Yeah, we're doing. Right. Like, he? just we, showing off his t-shirt and hat, guys. Don't worry. We, about it. We've got enough obscene <laughs> gestures in this show. You're gonna go want to watch the video. That's how we'll induce them to uh, right. go watch, see what we did. Uh, Let's look at the standings and the schedules coming up, uh, as we do every week. And we're going to start in the end, Jack, obviously, as we were talking about the uh, Wesley-Delval game. Uh, Wesley at 2-0, Montclair State with 1-1. Uh, a tough game against Salve Regina. That was not a gimme game by any stretch of the imagination. No. But they did have a good first half, and that sort of put the distance they needed uh, between them. Uh, William Patterson at 1-1, Salisbury 2-0 uh, with Wesley, I should say. Uh, so you've got four teams that are uh, 2-0 and or 1-1, and then Christopher Newport, TCNJ, Rowan, a little surprisingly to some people, and Kane are the 0-2 teams right now. The cream rising to the top. We thought it would probably be Wesley and Salisbury. Rowan, like I said, a little surprising, but then when you look at their schedule, it could have went either way. They yeah. probably could have been 1-1 maybe to some people by now, but 0-2 might be correct, and they could still make some noise uh, ultimately in this conference. They have a great uh, they have a great opportunity this weekend to go up and beat uh, a Hobart team that, you know, struggled a little bit with, with the SUNY Morrisville squad that most folks kind of had in the middle of the pack of the Empire 8. I think the Mustangs are probably better than that um, based on what I saw uh, on the games over this weekend. But Rowan can certainly make a statement, uh, you know, stealing one on the road if they can. Yeah, I don't think the statesman will lose that one. You don't know. They'll have to look at it, you know, closer you know, closer up because they do play so well at Boswell Field. Uh, but certainly the uh, – yeah, you see teams like um, – you know, William Patterson at the top of the end, Jack. It's like we got some cool stuff happening in 2019. It's just a different uh, different story here. At least near it. I mean, at 101, they're in the top three right now uh, in the conference, yeah. Uh, yeah. at least without a conference records. But uh, let's focus Wesley Endicott. That's an interesting game, okay? You, you, for some people, yeah. this game would be Wesley all the way. But Endicott has shown some moxie this season so far, definitely. That Framingham State win... Uh, it looks even better when you think about the fact that Framingham State kept uh, Brockport to scoring zero uh, offensively on Saturday. So Endicott, obviously a decent team. Wesley off of a four-overtime game. Do you give Endicott a chance in this one? At the end of the day, when, it, when, when I've seen these kinds of games in the past, what it always boils down to is that the, the underdog team, like in this case and Endicott, if they can avoid making mistakes uh, that just shoot themselves in the foot and not fall behind, you know, 21 nothing halfway through the first quarter or the second quarter, then there's a chance that this could be a competitive, compelling football game. Um, but Wesley's defense is going to bring a lot of pressure. The I guarantee you the Gulls have probably not seen, seen this kind of team speed before. Um, so, you know, Joe Kowalski, which I think he didn't um, – he didn't play that much in the game this past weekend, so I'm a little concerned about that. Um, so it'll, you know, they had to they had to rely on their running game a little bit more. And if they're one dimensional, the Wolverines will eat them up. So hopefully, um, you know, this is just sort of a precautionary kind of thing um, with with Rochester coming in because they're going to need Joe's arm to to carry them a little bit against, uh, especially a secondary this good. It's going to be a challenge for the Gulls. Going to the MAC next, uh, we've got a one-on-one uh, C of teams. Uh, it really looks like, uh, with a couple exceptions, Wilkes at two-no, 
Yeah. And Kings at 1-0. and and uh, the uh, underside is Lebanon Valley at 0 and 2 with Albright as well. Although, hey, Albright, you look decent against UMHB overall. They gave the so chance a good run for their money. Yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. did. Misericordia 0 and 1. So, in the middle of it all, FDU Florham, Widener, Delaware Valley, Alvernia, Lycoming, and Stevenson all at 1 and 1. What a mismatch of you know teams now we've got going on in the middle of uh, the MAC. Uh, the chances right now for pool C bid for any MAC team have gone down decidedly. When you think that Wilkes and Kings are probably the only two teams that would be able to qualify for one at this point, yeah. But we'll see how that plays out. But um, you look at the schedule coming up: Stevenson, Del Valley. You can't really look beyond that game. Uh, you know, to anything else? Maybe yeah. after you Florham Widener is going to be a good game on paper. Sure. Um, but this game is the standout game. Stevenson, Delaware Valley. Not often we talk about Delaware Valley losing two games in a row, but if Anthony Fontana and company don't play better offense than they did against Wesley, they could very well be staring down the barrel of that 0-2-2 week scenario, 1-2 overall scenario. Um, what do you think? Can Stevenson take down the defending champs? Not if their offensive line plays like they did against Bridgewater. I mean, I, didn't, I don't remember what was on the slides, but there was like seven sacks, seven tackles for loss. You know, I'm sure their quarterback was running for his life. Um, and so uh, that's the kind of thing that you – know, this is the kind of defensive pressure that the Aggies can bring. And if they do, they'll, they'll probably win this matchup going away, uh, kind of like we saw with Bridgewater. So I think it'll come down to um, Stevenson's offensive line and making some adjustments and learning from some of the challenges that they had this past weekend. Liberty League Union is the uh, leader right now with Hobart uh, up at top of that, uh, up atop that, uh, and Ithaca also at one and zero. So two and zero, two and zero, one and zero. Union, Hobart, and Ithaca respectively. RPI falling to the WPI makes it one and one, and then Buffalo State, St. Lawrence and Rochester rounded out all at 0-2. Um, Union's life at this point gets, uh, well, I would say a little more interesting as uh, an old friend comes to town. Springfield is coming on Saturday. Uh, Morsel State play, yeah, <laughs> hold on, bring it in a little bit further. Other way. No, 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 other way, come on. Go, go the opposite direction you think. <laughs> there you are. There you are. <laughs> That's right, a way that too long, bad. but we're keeping it all. We're keeping it all in. Okay. Um, Blooper reel material right there. Absolutely. Union uh, hosting Springfield. I was going to say Morrisville State, uh, St. Lawrence is on Friday night. There's a Friday night game in this conference, but... Brockport, Buffalo State's a game to watch. Buffalo State stands a chance right now, uh, looking at how Brockport's been playing. Rowan Hobart, you pointed out earlier, but to me, you got Springfield Union and Alfred Ithaca at 1 o'clock. Those two games are pretty big games. In Utica RPI at 6 o'clock, so somebody that decides to stay in the Capital Region yeah. area on uh, Saturday could catch both games, as Union and RPI are both hosting uh, Springfield and Utica, but... Springfield Union, that's going to tell us who Union really is after playing Westfield State, uh, Anna Maria. I, I've seen some alumni on the list I'm on kind of say, well, I'm not sold yet on Union. And I don't think anybody should be because we saw what happened to RPI after beating up on an Allegheny team in week one and then playing a much better WPI team in week two. Here's Union's version of that step up in class against Springfield. Can Springfield pull this off after uh, rallying in that game on Saturday? 
Maybe. I mean, their their offense isn't really churning and uh, like that like it's been in, in prior seasons. Um, there's some new names in the in the backfield, um, which is interesting to see. Uh, and but obviously, you know, if, if Nick Nick Boehner and company on the offensive line can get some push, I mean, ultimately it's going to boil down to whether or not the Pride defense can can slow down the, the three headed monster of <laughs> Bellamy, Irobor, and and, uh, and Ross. I mean, those three guys are, are super talented offensive weapons, and can and it's part of the reason why Union's averaging something like 45, 50 points a game, albeit against you know. Uh, competition that they should be beating, uh, but still they're they're already showing you know, kind of midseason form offensively. So it'll be good to see them with a little more of a challenge this weekend. Empire Eight, we've talked about some of the games uh, coming up already in the prior slides. So uh, you know, bear with us here. But St. John Fisher, Utica, Cortland, and Alfred are the two and O teams. Brockport, Morrisville State, and Hartwick are one and one. No O for teams right now in the Empire Eight, which is a credit to the conference mm -hmm. overall. Impressive, yeah. Uh, but. You know, you look at Fisher kind of quietly sneaking into that 2-0 spot here. Utica doing the same. Cortland and Alfred are two teams we expected to be there as well at this point. They are, although the George yep. Fox game was a little bit closer than we thought it would be uh, for Alfred. Yeah. And so then you look at the games coming up. Talk about Morrisville State, St. Lawrence on Friday already. Brockport, Buffalo State talked about TCNJ at St. John Fisher. Uh, here's a common opponent scenario with the Cortland game uh, that was against TCNJ right. coming up. So that'll be interesting to see at least a score. Alfred at Ithaca, to me, is the highlight game for the Empire 8 slate. Uh, as much as you know, I could have said it for the Liberty League slate, I think that Union Springfield game. East. Yeah, I, I, the I agree with you. Best game in the East region. Um, with me, you know, due respect to uh, Stevenson Del Val, which is. As, you know, has a little more on the line because it's a conference game. But this one's a big, this is big for, for New York State. It's big for the Empire A. It's big for the for the Liberty League. It could be big for Pool C standings, depending on you know what where Alfred and Ithaca end up at the end of the year. So a lot riding on this one. And I think a lot of people are kind of curious. I mean, they, we saw the Bombers you know, blow up <laughs> St. Vincent's in week one. But we don't really know um, how good this offense really is. Alfred has a good enough defense to provide them a challenge, and it'll be great to see how they respond. And Blaise Faggiano has to be licking his chops uh, watching the WPI film against RPI because defensively, WPI did something really great against RPI to win that game and killed them to three points. So you got to think that they are seizing on that game film to try to do the same thing to RPI on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Um, that will be an interesting one. Uh I, I think it's going to be close. I can't tell you which way it's going to go at this point. Maybe we'll do predictions later in the week. But Utica's got to start off better than he did against Buffalo State. That's for sure, because they were tripping out of the starting gate in that game, it felt like, with the three interceptions. Yeah. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... I do think RPI is going to, you know, they've always rebounded in the past. Um, Utica, you know, will be, I think for them, this is probably the toughest game that they'll have had uh, to date. So it should be an interesting matchup between, you know, a very strong offensive team in Utica plus a very strong defensive team in RPI. CCC, um, Becker at 2-0, Endicott at 2-0, Western New England at 2-0. Exactly what, how what, we what, called it, Frank. Yeah, of course. Becker. <laughs> we knew that was coming. Hawks. Yeah. Uh, University wow. of New England at 1-1, one one, Nichols at 1-1. One one, and then you've got Salve Regina and Curry at 0-2 and, and Husson at 0-1. Salve Regina, Curry, and Husson are the teams that are down right now in the CCC. Yeah. Welcome to the CCC, Husson. Yeah, that was a 
tough tough debut, but UMD has got a solid team. They're not in CCC play just yet, but um, you know it sounds like uh, the the offensive changes that have happened with from Gabby Price to uh, to the new coach at Husson kind of gone away from the old uh, sort of more pro style uh, offense to a more spread. It, sometimes it might take a little while for them to to get things get things rolling. So. Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens with the Eagles. But as far as this slate, Frank, I'm going to try if I can because Deland is about 30 to 45 minutes away. Western New England's coming down to Orlando for a game against Stetson University, who's uh, beaten Louisiana College from Division Three, but they lost to Marist uh, last weekend. So I'm going to try to see Alec Coleman and company in person if I can. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how Western New England, who's putting up some gouty numbers <laughs> offensively, uh, does against some some higher level competition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm having trouble calling up my schedule here, but uh, I finally got it up. Uh, MIT resumes play against Becker. That's going to be an interesting game. Just from is Becker yeah. for real? Okay, so that's Friday night sure. at seven o'clock. Uh, Wesley Endicott, I highlighted earlier, is a game I'm going to be watching for as well. WPI at Husson. Um, you know what? Husson needs to bounce Good back one. and quickly, and here's here's a game for them to try to do it in. Uh, but that uh, Western New England Stetson game, uh, hey, uh, give them points for uh, going and playing over their heads probably uh, against a Stetson team that it's is going to be hot. Yeah, it's going to be hot. <laughs> and they, yep. their offense has always been hot. Uh, Western New England with 701 yep. yards we just talked about. So interesting to see that. Okay, now we're going to have an ECFC slide finally because um, – Every one of the teams yeah. that played on Saturday had lost. We didn't have a score slide for them. Uh, SUNY Maritime at 1-1, one and, one, and then everybody else 0-1 or 0-2. Not the way your right. conference wants to start out. And, uh, you know, SUNY Maritime still the head and shoulders above the rest, I guess, with the loss that looked pretty bad against Mass Maritime. We'll see where it goes from here. Standout games, uh, honestly, SUNY Maritime at Merchant Marine. Okay? Uh, yeah. That's you know, a big rivalry game for sure. That that's one o'clock on Saturday, and probably the one to watch for. And um, you may or may not see the likes of Frank Rossi somewhere in that uh, vicinity for that game. Just throwing it out there. Just saying. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Mac. two and zero Norwich, two and zero WPI, Coast Guard two and zero. What is happening around here? What is, what is this? <laughs> New Mac apparently is the new military league, I guess, and you know WPI is the engineering side of it. You know, you got to get the uh, yeah the old guard is uh well, yeah. yeah exactly. Frank's flashing the build the brotherhood Springfield. Maybe the maybe the torch has been passed. We've seen Springfield win it two years ago. We saw MIT do it last season. Uh, now the both the engineers and the and the pride are looking up at the standings at. At the at the Bears and the Cadets and uh, and the Engineers, it's interesting. So a little topsy turvy in the new Mac this season. Springfield's the only one one team, by the way. Uh, so they're in the top four still, at least uh, in the uh, okay. out of conference action. So uh, you know a little bit of weirdness going on there. We talked about the Becker game uh, against MIT uh, and mm -hmm. Mass Maritime and Maine Maritime will play in their Admirals Cup game. Uh, so rivalry game there. Soon Maritime Merchant Marine rivalry game there. Coast Guard Norwich rivalry game there. Uh, so a lot of rivalries coming through. Uh, Springfield Union is kind of as close to rivalry as you can get for Springfield because they used to play all the time, used to be in the same conference back when in the Liberty yep. League. So uh, we, we kind of looked at these ad nauseum, these games already. 
uh, that are coming up. Let's go to the MassCAC a little bit more. I believe we enter MassCAC play officially uh, this coming weekend uh, for some of these teams. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so Plymouth State, UMass Dartmouth, Western Connecticut, all mm-hmm. 2-0. Massachusetts Maritime, 1-0, a little surprisingly to some people. But Mass Dartmouth yep. is suddenly the team to watch, as is Plymouth State, as is Western Connecticut. As you pointed out, Framingham State and Bridgewater State at 0-2. That's a surprise to some people. So when you look at the schedule coming up for these teams, aside from the uh, Mass Maritime, Main Maritime out-of-conference matchup, Westfield State at Framingham State should go Framingham State. you got to think still. Uh, Worcester State, Plymouth State, got to think that's going to go Plymouth State. Uh, Western Connecticut, Bridgewater State, that's a good game. That's a game that you got to watch mm-hmm. for at 3.30 on Saturday. In Fitchburg State at UMass Dartmouth, um, I would say that's a pretty good game on paper just to see if UMass Dartmouth's for real. Yeah. I think the Coasters will probably take care of business. Uh, they have a little too much offense, I think, but we'll see. Finally, NESCAC. We pointed out what happened with the, the schedule shuffle uh, that we saw. Uh, Middlebury, Hamilton, Wesleyan, uh, Tufts, and Amherst all survived the weekend. That means that Trinity, Colby, uh, Bowden, Williams, and Bates uh, do not. Bates has had some uh, struggles. Uh, I think they've lost uh, 11 straight uh, this season, I want to say, or 11 straight games at this point, uh, going back a couple seasons now. Um, But this conference now is really anything can happen. Is Tufts really the team to carry out the rest of the schedule at this point? Or is Trinity going to be happily rooting for some help to get them knocked off? Obviously, they are rooting for that, but will it actually yeah. happen? Um, Tufts is going to get a challenge already. They're going to be playing Williams at 130 on Saturday. And that, to me, is right now a highlight game because can Williams get back on track and can Tufts or can Tufts uh, keep going uh, on this? Bowden at Trinity. Trinity should be able to right the ship on that one. Uh, the rest of the games don't excite me, but Tufts Williams right now is, to me, the game of the week. Yeah, definitely. I think you know, Coach Ray knew that going up to Middlebury to open the season was going to be a challenging you know, opener for them. That game could have gone either way, honestly. Um, so I think Williams is definitely still in the hunt. There, a lot of people had picked them to be in the top three in the conference. A win this weekend would certainly keep them in that discussion. JB, there's the nine conferences, the rundown of where we are in our host chat session. Uh, any final thoughts here? We have some definite highlight games forming in uh, almost every conference that we've pointed out, even the ECFC uh, with that uh, SUNY Maritime Merchant Marine game, which SUNY Maritime has done well in over the years. Okay, so we've, we've got an interesting scenario setting up to see if Merchant Marine can you know, win this game like they are supposed to at this point, or if Senior Maritime, after kind of a dud performance, writes their ship, no pun intended, and mm-hmm. uh, gets back into the wins uh, column uh, down at King's Point. The rest of it, though, I mean, what are you thinking here? What, what is your takeaway as we go into the rest of our shows this week? I think um, the biggest takeaway that I have is the fact that in the preseason, we thought we 
kind of knew what was going to happen. And now that we're two weeks in, the exact opposite has happened. And so this season is turning out to be one of the more unpredictable ones that we've had in a while. And for you know people who like to complain that Division Three football is, oh, it's always the same football teams every year. Uh, not really this season. Even the uh, defending national champions uh, struggled against a team that I think didn't even win a game last season. So a lot of stuff is up in the air. A lot of teams that you think that were good maybe aren't as good as you thought and teams that you that didn't think of are now all of a sudden putting their names and, and programs out there into the national discussion. It makes these kinds of shows a lot more interesting, I think, or at least for, for my, it's more interesting for me as a fan of, of D3 football. So hopefully you guys think the same thing. You spoke about Pool C earlier. Let, let, let's really look at what the possibilities are remaining at this point for Pool C for the East region. Uh, Union, Hobart, Ithaca, whoever kind of comes out of that situation not winning if they didn't have more than one loss ultimately um, would be up for it. Uh, Alfred and uh, Cortland with Utica mm -hmm. still as a, an asterisk right now, uh, but one of those mm -hmm. teams could technically be a Pool C uh, team in discussion later on. Uh, really, in the end jackets, Wesley and Salisbury in my book right now as uh, the only teams you really can talk about or look at for that. Nobody in the MAC right now is standing out as a potential one because they've got the, the key teams have losses already. And so that becomes a bit of a problem, although they have that round robin play there. So it could be, you know, two teams that go 8 0 in the conference ultimately, but it's unlikely uh, for them. And then the New England teams, I can't pick you one that looks like a pool C really ready conference right now. So Liberty League, Empire 8, and Jack. That's it. That's all I can really spot right now is a possible at-large yep. bid. Win your conference, everyone, because that's the condition you've left yourself in at this point. Uh, in the, unless you're the teams we just named, which is what? A whole seven teams I think we just named out of 60-some. A lot, yeah. Yeah, win your conference. That's it now. So let's see where the conference runs go, what they look like, and some conferences are starting them, like the MassCAC coming up this weekend. We'll be watching it for you. We'll have some interviews throughout this week, and uh, we'll try to get those predictions up this week. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to last week. JB, thanks for joining me as always. As uh, Wesley, congratulations on your win. We'll see how it goes against Endicott on Saturday.